TUMC. This is Abby, and I welcome you to our podcast, Voices, where we are discussing various scriptures throughout the month of December to help you prepare for Christmas in this season that we call Advent. Today, we are talking to a youth in our congregation. Her name is Madeline, and she came to talk about a few things with us, what Christmas means to her, some of the traditions that they have as a family. But specifically, we were talking about the song that Mary sings. We call that the Magnificat, and it's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary is hanging out with her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's child leaps within her when she meets Mary And that prompts Elizabeth to say a blessing. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Mary takes over and sings this song. I think it is self-explanatory what's happening in the scripture, but I do want to mention there is a portion of the conversation where I use a Greek word, theotokos, and I just want y'all to know what that means. It's a name that we give Mary, and it means God-bearer. So if you're listening along and wondering, what is this weird Greek term? It just means God-bearer, and that's who Mary was. She bears God to the world when she gives birth to Jesus. I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it's meaningful for your day. We certainly enjoyed talking to Madeline, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Today we'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. It's a song that Mary sings. Mary said, With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. All right, well, as we get started, can you just let us know your name and what grade you're in? I'm Madeline and I'm a freshman. Madeline, thanks so much for joining uh, a couple of theology nerds <laughs> to discuss a scripture. I think you're very brave <laughs> to come and talk to us. Um, what made you say yes to coming here? Well, first, I've always wanted to do a podcast, and I think it's fun. And I think talking about, you know, being with the church and um, just talking about God is just really powerful. And I mean, I'm just really excited to be here. So I'm excited. Yeah. What are some things that you enjoy about this season? I think there's a lot of things to be excited for and grateful for. I think really the birth of Jesus. 
Um, also, the things, the Sundays leading up to it, where you really get to know the story, are really important as well. Are there any things that you do as a family to prepare for Christmas, either religious or not? Yeah, so we have, um, we'll get the church little Advent things, yeah, um, and we'll do those. And then we also, I think 12 days leading up to Christmas, we have this also little Advent calendar and they have little figurines and their story like Gabriel and the last day is baby Jesus. And it's just like stuff like that. And that's really fun. Yeah. (laughs) They have a story to go along with them too. So yeah. Is there a time of day that you do that usually or just whenever you can? Mainly at night, really, before we all go to bed. I love that. I love that y'all take the time to do that. Yeah. So it can be really busy at this yeah. time of year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's it's fun. Um, it's a good way to connect with the family too. The word for this week that we're talking about is wonder. And we've just read something called the Magnificat or Mary's song. And it's a song that Mary sings when she finds out she's going to have Jesus, when she gets to be the God-bearer, the Theotokos, and she sings this awesome song that just appears in Scripture. And I guess I just wonder, I wonder, what are your first thoughts about it, or what are the things that jump out to you in in her song? I think there's a couple of things, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to read. There's kind of a lot of terms and things, like each verse you have to think about individually. So what are what are some of the terms that stand out to you as you read it? Um, one of them, it says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Yeah. And I, so I was reading a little bit about this before we came together. And there's a theologian named Will Gaffney, who I adore. She writes about that portion in particular and talks about how Mary's singing this song and she says it's, she's just talking about how it already happened. Like in this song, Mary says, he's brought down the powerful. And Mary's singing that in an occupied state, you know, and for us here, I mean, we know this none of this has fully happened, right? (laughs) That she's singing that God did all of this stuff, but we're still sort of waiting for the hungry to be filled with good things and God to come to the aid of God's servants. And it makes me wonder, I mean, how can you sing that as if it already happened? I don't know. Things like that, they do take time. It's not always going to be the high road and happiness filled in your life. There's always going to be those ups and downs, but you just got to know that God's always going to be there for you. And sometimes he may feel farther than other times, but he's always right next to you. Are there ways that you come close to God? Yes, I, I pray every night before I go to bed. I actually pray to go to sleep. And I mean, it may not seem like a lot, but I think it's really important to have those conversations with him because you want to have a relationship with God and not just 
do this for me or do that for me. You want a relationship. I know for me, uh, the prayers I prayed as a teenager have stuck with me. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's the same for you, Elizabeth, but there are certain things that I feel like that is where I built a foundation of my relationship with God. And some of that stuff just stays. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when I was in high school, I wrote a lot of poetry. And so a lot of my, a lot of my praying was writing poetry or looking at, you know, a devotional book. I grew up Baptist and there's a whole lot of devotionals out there. Um, so it's, I, I really like reading, you know, these songs or canticles in the Bible because they're poetic. And I think about, um, you know, I, I have a lot of the poems that I wrote in high school and, um, it was how I worked through all the changes that were happening, you know, in my body and in my mind. And when you're in high school, there's, you have a lot to do. And all of a sudden you have a lot to, (laughs) you have a lot to prepare for, um, which is kind of where Mary is actually in, in this place. And, um, I, I love this moment because she's with her cousin and they're both pregnant and they both got pregnant at a time when they thought it wasn't possible. And so they're, they're just kind of dealing with it and here the Holy Spirit has come and, um, given Mary this, uh, this song to sing. And I think prayer can work like that too. If you're in a moment where, You don't really know what's going on, which Mary probably didn't either. You know, she sings this and then turns around. Wait, what did I just say? (laughs) Do you ever do that sometimes? Like you pray? Yes. (laughs) And you ask, what was, what, what did I just say? I don't, I don't know. And then you have to take some time. (laughs) So Mary here is, you know, we, we assume she's young. We don't know for sure, but she's not married. So she's probably a teen or a very young adult. How do you think you would react to God? Like in one of those times you're praying, you know, you've been talking to God talking to God and God's like, Hey, I want to use your whole life for something big, important and special. (laughs) What Uh, would you do? I mean, there's a lot of things that could go on with that. I think that if, God asked me to do that. I would 100% go with whatever he was wanting to do or wanted my plan to be my path. But you know his plan has a purpose and it will lead out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what you see in the song of Mary. Like, you know, I do think when you're younger, you maybe can say yes to God more easily because— you can, you don't have a list of no's. You're like, sure, let's try it. Yeah. (laughs) And Mary's sort of just saying, oh yeah, God's going to do all of this awesome stuff if I say yes. Right. There's the hungry will be filled with good things. These terrible rulers will be cast out. God's justice is going to come onto the earth and I get to be part of it. Mm -hmm. I think when God ask something of me now as an elderly human, I tend to come up with more lists of, well, am I sure? Should I really? I don't know. How's that going to work? 
What will that do to my life and my kids and my husband and my house and my car? Whereas <laughs> as a teenager, I think it's easier to just see the world for what it is. I think you'll have a really good ability to see what should be done and then try to make a difference. We're really just trying to find our path and what comes our way and the opportunities and all of that. Yeah. And open to experiencing it. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if you've heard any good news from God lately. Mary's got a whole wealth of good news here. Is there is there something for you in that passage or something that's come up when you've been praying? Yes. So in seventh, kind of beginning of eighth, I had really bad French struggles and um, it did get good and well from the middle uh, of eighth grade till now going strong. Um, and I haven't really taken the time to appreciate and realize that he has answered my prayers um, for until recently. I mean, right when he did it, I knew, but I haven't really taken the time to look back on it and really reflect because the friends I have now changed my life for better. And it was really important for me to take that big step because, you know, friends is just such a big thing and you want to make sure your friends support you and are, are nice and do what's good. I love that you can see God working in your life. Yeah. I think that's such a huge gift. And I hope um, people listening can look back on their hard times and see the same thing. I know that's important for me a lot of times to remember when things are hard. And maybe that's some of what Mary is doing here of, yeah, not everything's great. And I'm sure, you know, we should talk in a minute about how you think your family would react to God calling you <laughs> to something like Mary. But, you know, things probably aren't super great. But she's also remembering that God has been faithful all of these generations to generations. And now she's inheriting that faithfulness. What was your call story, Abby? To ministry? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it did happen as a teenager. I was, um, my parents were very involved in church. And I grew up going to a lot of small churches because we moved all over the place, which I actually think was nice. Like I was usually, there'd be, just a few people in my youth group. And so we got to do a lot of things that maybe other youth don't get to do. And I was helping my mom plan a Sunday school lesson. And I had started a youth group because we didn't have one where I was. And I like put posters up around my school and talked to my friends and asked them to come. And I found adults, like I went to adults and said, Hey, uh, we need adults to be at our gatherings. Will you come be there? And adults will say yes to, a, you know, a 14-year-old girl asking that. And so one morning my mom was driving to church. We were talking over her Sunday school lesson. And she was like, you know, Abby, you might be called to ministry. And I was like, I don't think so. That's crazy. And she was like, no, no, because you, you know, not, there aren't a lot of high schoolers that would start a youth group. <laughs> That's sort of a weird thing. And um, so it didn't, my call to doing that kind of work didn't come, you know, 
the way I think we imagine it in paintings with Mary, she's usually like alone somewhere and there's just a flash of light and an angel in front of there. It came through like the person I argued with the most, which is my mother, just acknowledging that there was something inside of me that she was noticing and um, giving me opportunities, you know, the church giving me opportunities to try on different hats and letting me do things, you know, in, in a church space. And over time, I started to figure out that this might be something that I'm interested in. I will say, even as a teenager, there were times where I would feel really called by God to do something. One time, I had $20 in my pocket, and a homeless man asked me to give. And uh, I gave all of that $20 to that man because I just felt really called to do it. And I really believed that, you know, it wasn't, I didn't have to decide what that person was going to do with that money. I was just called to give it. And I got in so much trouble <laughs> for giving that money away. My parents were so unhappy with me. And I really, as a teenager, even to this day, I don't back, I still think I did the right thing. But, um, you know, I read that text that we just read and I wanted to fill the hungry with good things. I wanted to give to those in need. And the adults in my life obviously wanted to correct that for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons they thought maybe I should have given in a different way. But I really felt called to do that that day. And so I do think these kind of callings, even with supportive people, can be really rough. Mm -hmm. They're not always easy. Do you ever have family arguments, Elizabeth, over your call, call to ministry? Oh, it's very interesting. My parents divorced when I was in second grade. My, uh, my mother stayed Baptist and is now at a free evangelical church. And she doesn't think that a woman should be in the pulpit or serving in any type of leadership position at a church. So um, she tells herself that I'm a children's director. <laughs> and that's just kind of what she's convinced herself of. And then when I'm not able to travel for holidays like Easter and that sort of thing, um, I, get a, I get a lot of guilt from her about that. So that's, you know, that's, that's hard. I also have, you know, I have a sixth grade child who is unsure of their beliefs and trying to figure that out and often doesn't want to go to church. They're supportive of what I want to do very much. So very proud of me, but I'd love it if they love to go to church, <laughs> which just makes Sundays easier for me. Right. My, my brother, I would say is my biggest support. He's my best friend. And he actually felt called to be a Baptist minister, and he went to seminary. He got his Master of Divinity and was licensed and discerned that his call was actually in teaching. And he's so glad because he's now a United Methodist, and he and I are very similar in our, in our doctrinal beliefs and that sort of thing. So, you know, when I preach, he's watching the recording, and he checks in with me, and he prays for me. I mean, I wouldn't be able to be in seminary and working if I didn't have a supportive partner. You know, Brett, my husband, he's really supportive, and my kids are too. Have you ever 
had a time where you knew you should be doing something, but maybe your family wasn't supportive of it, even though you knew, no, this is where I should focus my time. Like, as in... I think of sometimes arguments that I have with my um, my stepdaughter. Uh, you know, I think as you get older, you have, she has choices she wants to make and I have choices I think she should make. And I don't know that mine are necessarily right or that hers are necessarily right, right? Like, you know, she wants to spend more time with her friends, but I might want her to be home to spend time with us. And we kind of have to navigate that relationship because it is important for her to spend time with her friends. Do you have tensions like that in your family yet? Yes. I'm, there's a lot of back and forth with the screens and it can be a big distraction sometimes. I'm going to admit I, am, I, I do it too. I think all of us do really. Adults do it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But not only the phone, I think it's also with friends and family. It's hard to balance everything, really. Family will always be there for you. So I really think it's important to have that as a priority. But I also think it's important to be with your friends at certain times because sometimes you ha- you talk to your friends about certain things that you wouldn't talk to your family about. And... I think it's really important to balance both because if you have one more than the other, it causes chaos. We don't know this about Mary's story, but it does feel like she goes to see her cousin for a reason, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's maybe it's to help her pregnant cousin. Maybe it's because that was a planned trip, but I also wonder if she just needed someone who shared her experience and she could talk openly without feeling like people were like, okay, crazy Mary. (laughs) (laughs) I think friends do serve that purpose for us because our families, I know I'm guilty of this and I know my, my family of origin has been guilty of this with me. You know, we know our kids or our parents so well that it's hard for us to let them be whoever they're becoming. And Mary's becoming something here. I think also when you're set apart like that, as clearly called by God, people are going to talk to you a little differently. They're going to treat you a little differently. I know that some of my friendships changed when I started sharing that I was called to ministry. Some people immediately thought that I was a their pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to be your friend. I want to, you know, I want this to be an equal exchange. And I, I, I do wonder if some of that changed with Mary. And the same would have been true for Elizabeth. I think in Elizabeth's case in particular, because they were older, there might have been some judgment and some skepticism, maybe even some superstition going on there during that time. You know, how does how does this happen to people? Whereas Mary, you know, she's younger, she's childbearing age. It could be explained in a lot of different logical, possible, not miraculous ways. <laughs> so they, you know, they they share this, they share this identity of of being set apart. And they know they have these little prophet people growing in their bellies. Do you ever have moments where you feel 
where you feel like maybe you're treated a little bit differently than other people. I don't know how how uh, publicly spoken you are about your faith. Your faith is clear, clearly very deep. <laughs> and teenagers have opinions about everything. Yeah. Do you ever receive opinions about your faith? I have made my faith clear around school, and my friends know that. And sometimes I'll do something or I'll say something and or may not even be my friends, just like kind of mutuals or people at school who I'm not that close with, but they know, they know me. And they're like, oh, that wasn't very Christian of you. And I am just kind of, it's kind of a hard thing to respond to because, I mean, it's really just, yeah, it's, you can take it in one of two ways. One being, oh, I'm so sorry, let me fix that. Or two being like, well, who are you to judge me? Right. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. It it's a hard question, but I do get comments like that, and I do have friends that also tell me, "Oh, I like they respect me." Part of what's hard about reading Mary's story or listening to me and Elizabeth talk is, I think we have these ideas of what calling means. You know, if you're called by God to something, it has to be the angel Gabriel has showed up and you're pregnant. Ah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or it's, you know, this call to a very specific thing like ministry, which, Mm -hmm. you know, not everyone's called to that. So I guess one of the things that I wonder when I read this passage is, what kinds of things do you think God is calling you or other teenagers to right now that maybe because they're looking for the angel Gabriel or for it to be, you've got to be a pastor, they're not hearing? What kinds of things? I think when you are a teenager or 20, 30, close to that, there are a lot of temptations because— Everyone else is doing this and other people are doing that, but you're not doing that. So you're the weird one out and, you know, we don't like you anymore because you're not doing these things. And it is such a hard thing to see and go through because at the same, it's really between you and God, between what you want to do. And I think it's so important because what's going to benefit you more for the future. You going one night and going to drink and do all these things with your friends or being with your other friends and getting to connect with them and talk about God and just help you to go closer to him. I think temptation is really the main thing because I've struggled with it for a really long time and I still am. And it I probably will a long time in the future. You yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a little story where It's just like a little thing that kind of going back, relating to you whenever kind of calling what you're calling. I wanted to tell you a little story. I was walking home from the bus one time and there was a man um, walking on the sidewalk. I think he was just going on a walk in the neighborhood. And I just got this feeling like, oh, say God bless you and just say it like he needs to hear it. And I was, I walked past him and I didn't say it. And I still, that was two, three years ago. And I still think about it to this day. 
because I, if I could go back, I would totally say something, but I just didn't because it was God and the devil trying to, oh, don't say it, don't say it. And I listened to him and now it's just incredible to me because I, now that I really reflected on, I know that was God telling me to tell him that. And I haven't really gotten that huge feeling yet again, but I can guarantee you 100% the next time I will be listening to that. So, but yeah, that's another little thing that I just wanted to share. So, I mean, I think you shared two really important ways that God calls all of us. I mean, one is that, I mean, we call it the still small voice or that feeling of restlessness, or you just know there's something you need to do. Um, And I know I've had that experience on the opposite side of someone saying, I just knew God told me I needed to come tell you. Uh, One was, you're a beloved child of God. I'll always remember it. Someone came up to me and said, you're a beloved child of God. And that has stuck with me. And that happened in my 20s. Um, And I, of course, thought that person was crazy when they did that. (laughs) But um, it turned out to be something I really needed. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, that is one way that we're called. And then you mentioned uh, that call to righteousness or good works or resisting temptation, right? Um, I think sometimes we write that off as not being a calling, but it is a huge calling for Christians is to, we say it in our baptism, you know, we will resist the forces of evil in this world. And that act of resistance creates a better world. And it's a huge part of what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what Mary is singing about when, you know, she's, she's essentially saying the world's going to be turned upside down. Uh, in this mighty act of resistance. And so even even being God-bearer, um, she's participating in an act of resistance against evil. Do you feel called by God? Yes, I do. Um, I think that when I, you know whenever God's talking to you, and I feel like if you know that feeling, I think— most people have probably I'm not sure. I think so um if you have you know that God is trying to talk to you and I think you should at least try and think about it or listen to it and I think I'm called because God has spoken to me in so many ways and different levels and different times in my life that I think have valued me to come to who I am now. I'm really glad that you answered the call to do this podcast with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Because I, like I was saying, not everyone is so brave um, to share about their faith and mm-hmm. what they think about a scripture with the wider world. Yes. Um, so thank you so much, Madeline. Yeah, thank you for being so, so open. Yeah. I'm really grateful. And I hope, I really do hope we do it again. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah that one. would be wonderful. So do you have one final word of good news for this church during this season? Rejoice <laughs> and be glad in it. Mm-hmm. 
so much for listening to this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Madeline. Uh, If it raised any questions for you or if you have comments that you want to leave with us, you can always find my email at uh, the church website, tumc.church. My name is Pastor Abigail Parker Herrera, and I'd love to hear from you. Before we end with a blessing for your day, we just want to share a couple of ways that you can engage with us this Advent beyond our podcasts. Uh, First, this Sunday, there is going to be a food truck available, and we would love for you to come out and eat kolaches and cinnamon rolls with us from 8.30 to noon. You also can come listen to the beautiful Lessons and Carol services that we will have at 8.30, 9.45 in the chapel, and 11 a.m. in the sanctuary. We would uh, really enjoy your presence there, singing with us, and entering in the Christmas season with that traditional service of Lessons and Carols. Friends, I invite you to start wondering with me over this passage from Luke as we pray together. As we said last week, if you're driving, maybe you want to keep your eyes open, but focus on something that brings you peace or joy or simply makes you wonder. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for Mary and for Jesus. And God, we give you thanks for all the prophets and preachers in the Bible who through your Holy Spirit gave us your word and gave us the opportunity to learn who you are as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God, we wonder this day as we think about Mary's vocation, the vocations that you're giving us, the things that you wish for us to do, and how we might live out your good news in our life and in our work and in the ways that we love and care for other people. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.